Good morning, online community and <clears throat> embodied in person, Sangha. <clears throat> mm. There are many teachers who begin retreats um, by talking about how rare and precious it is to be on retreat. And <clears throat> we had a, a, a more business meeting, managers and tech team this morning. And, um, and then ironed out some communication stuff. And um, and I just feel such a deep appreciation for um, all of you being here, all of us as the the bone, the skeleton of our um, of our retreat. Where's Lupita there? And you you know, there's so many times, and maybe you have heard this too of people you know who have gotten a really difficult diagnosis, whatever it is, cancer or <clears throat> or that a child has died or something like that. And, um, and there's one thing they all have in common, which is, I don't know what I would have done without my practice. And sort of continuing in the theme of what we shared last night, uh, is, or what I shared, that, you know, knowing that we don't just practice now, but we practice for those times. And when difficult things come up, not even so difficult, but little difficult things <clears throat> in our relationships, it's so beautiful to have that access of, I care, I want to work this out, I want to hold you with love, what's going on, what is it, can I hear something? And sometimes uh, uh, when I, you know, hear something that's very difficult, then it takes a bit of time for it to drop in, and, but I want to. You know, and that's because of the practice. And so this morning, having um, sort of received or navigated some difficult things or beginning to navigate them, I feel so deeply appreciative of that part of me that, or my Dharma me, that's like, no, I care. How can we meet this? you know, and, and then having lived 73 years and having known so many um, uh, different people and encountered so many different situations, um, to feel this and to feel a community that shares this with me, it feels so special. So 
the we we uh, so appreciating the preciousness of this retreat, particularly uh, of the experiment of embodied and hybrid. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later, and um, of each one of you turning up to co-create this. Uh, community and way of relating. Then I wanted now on to practice more formally, that is practice and more formal practice. I wanted to lift up three mental qualities that are the last part of the Eightfold Path and their right effort, right mindfulness and right concentration and a little bit of how they work together. We've spoken a lot about mindfulness, so I wanted to just say a few words more about uh, right effort and right concentration. These three energies are also part of the seven factors of enlightenment. And so they're really important. And the seven factors of enlightenment are the balance of the seven mental factors that become the conditions for the mind to open or to be lifted off into the unconditioned. There are different ways of talking about opening and the unconditioned. But we could say most simply, become the conditions for life to flow without obstruction. They're just a flow of life without obstruction, our life, but without the intervention or presence of greed, hatred, and delusion. And so that the experience of that. The seven factors of enlightenment are mindfulness, inquiry, and we talked about inquiry as an aspect of mindfulness, and it's also its own mental factor, and um, energy or effort, and joy. Those are the four active four active qualities. And then there is calm, tranquility, no, calm or tranquility, concentration, and equanimity. And equanimity is in a way the culmination of all those previous factors that um, become deeply rooted in the mind in a way that the mind is unmoved or non-reactive to whatever happens. You know, so I gave the example of Nalanda yesterday, the elephant, and how the uh, Buddha did not react like, ah, wild elephant, but, but was like a mountain knowing through non-reactivity to turn and to offer metta, that deep-rooted non-reactivity that responds only with skillfulness and with the contribution towards healing and well-being. 
And so that's the, the culmination of that. And so um, our practice of mindfulness actually includes then these particular factors that support our minds and hearts to awaken. And I just want to say that two expressions of this awakening and and um, Ian is going to talk about this a lot more in his Dharma talk on Nirvana, right? So I'm, I'm just mentioning it uh, 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 a little bit now. Um, <clears throat> that sometimes it happens totally unpredictably. That the energies that we've been working with for whatever karmic reason, something will happen. And a very famous happening is Francis of Assisi, you know, had been building this brick church, brick by brick. And in, I don't know if you read about the story of that building, but he, it sounds like he was extremely mindful of picking up the bricks and putting them. Apparently his father was a bricklayer, so he already had some uh, context for laying the bricks to build a new monastery. And so he was doing this, laying the brick by himself, laying the bricks, laying the bricks. So he'd, that's how he was practicing. And one time he was walking away and he heard a bird song. And the bird song was the condition for all those factors to come together. And he experienced an opening and awakening. So then, in that, so I'm just saying this because you might think, well, here's Arena talking about it, and oh God, Ian's going to talk about it, and I am so far away from that. My mind is so distracted, it just is totally irrelevant to my practice. But it isn't, because we have no idea. It's unpredictable when all the factors come together, just like that. And an opening happens. So that, you know, there is a way in which some of the teachers, particularly some of the Burmese teachers they've sat with, they're like, like Pauk Sayadaw, who I haven't sat with, but I've sat with people who've studied with him, and um, Upandita. And um, when I was in the Australian monastery with the year, with Achan, uh, uh, sujata, um, just like all the time we're practicing for awakening, we're practicing for awakening, we're practicing for awakening. Like, like not like as a goal orientation, but as understanding that there is a context in which we're practicing of building these energies to free our mind so that we become the vehicles in an unobstructed flow of support and healing and creating the conditions for freedom for ourselves and for everyone else. Because when it comes to that kind of, uh, when, it, when it comes uh, and there's the unobstructed flow, there is just the movement of wanting to help, just of now 
now in whatever context the mind flows towards that and there's so many stories of awakened people whether it's deep man i don't always like to quote the dalai lama because everyone does um and you know like everyone he he he's been very imperfect around the full ordination of women and so just to name that and queer people and it is also true that wherever he is, there is this movement. So when he stays at a, a big hotel, you know, that has a big conference center where there are like a thousand people coming to hear his teachings and he leaves, he always asks for every employee of, from janitor to the CEO or whoever's there, to come out so he can greet them and thank them. Like just that over and over again, that wish to build and support the beautiful qualities. Or Sharon Salzberg talks about it when she um, uh, was the host to the Dalai Lama coming to visit IMS and there was an array of the teachers and then there was the staff and she had just broken her leg and he just made a beeline for her and said, how are you? How is your leg? Just that movement of the heart always towards supporting healing. So that is, that's um, one way to name the vision that lives in our hearts. There are many ways and you have your own language. That's one traditional way to name it. And then, you know, here are several factors that support that coming into being. And so effort, right, effort is the energy that keeps mindfulness awake and sustains that awakeness. That's one aspect of it. There's another aspect which we've talked about, which is the effort to abandon what is unwholesome and to cultivate the wholesome. So mindfulness discerns it and effort or energy gives mindfulness the strength then once it's discerned there's something unwholesome to let go because sometimes we know it takes a lot of energy to let go of something so it gives mindfulness the, the strength and energy to support the abandoning of what's unwholesome and supports the cultivation of what's wholesome. So, you know, sometimes meditating and the mind is wandering off, it doesn't it feel like you're like reeling in the fishing line. Okay, come on, come on, you can do it, come back in. That's, that's, that's the energy of right effort combined with mindfulness. And th there are teachers who say that right effort in particular is as important as right mindfulness because if there isn't the energy that supports mindfulness then there isn't that capacity to both be alive in the meeting and knowing of the experience for it to be alive like you know I read that poem about washing the mom's body how alive joy was in the caring for her body like it wasn't just habitual it wasn't like oh i'm just doing this because i have to it was so alive in that present meeting of this of this um 
wish to send her mother off and to care for her. And it, it just, I love that poem because it so resonated with how I washed my own mother after she died. And, um, and I poured petals on her in the tradition of Ruth after she died because we had received so many flowers and like blessed her, like carrying on that tradition. Anyway, so that aliveness of, of mindfulness um, and, and the infusing of it with energy so that it knows intimately the experience. And there's more to say about that in terms of three, three characteristics which will come in a later talk. So right effort, this infusing of mindfulness with energy and also the energy to abandon what isn't in alignment with your vision and support and grow what is. So you feel and see how critical that is. And then there's right concentration. And there are two aspects of right concentration. When um, <clears throat> Ian talked about Vedana, he mentioned that there were seven universal factors. What's the time here? I don't want to go on too long. Okay, one more minute. Um, he vent, he uh, mentioned the seven um, uh, contact, uh, mental factors that are always in the mind every moment of consciousness arising. And I'll also talk about this in more detail. But there are um, there is um, one quality called one-pointedness which allows you to know anything, that the mind in a just very general way, like when you're looking at me, there's one-pointedness in there, right? It's like the capacity of the mind to point towards the object. In the, in the cultivation that we're doing, there, that breaks down into two aspects of concentration. And so one is the one-pointedness of making contact, like I'm making contact, I'm seeing you. And then there's another aspect of concentration, which is to sustain the contact. And that's what perhaps we're all working with a little more right now, is that you're connecting with whatever your experience is, but then the issue is to sustain it. So it's great to name it, like I'm making this, and then it's lovely to have that intention of, and I want to sustain the connection. And it's, um, and that is like, not just for meditation, like in this conversation I just had, I realized that so much of how to call in a healing conversation when something is going on is that it's asking for a sustained listening, right? Like not just that first listening, okay, you're saying something, and then there's a way for the mind just to flip off, but sustaining the attentiveness. No, I want to keep listening. And I could feel calling my mind, like calling it, no, Arena, you want to sustain it. And if we haven't practiced that a lot, then it's really hard 
to work in relationship because how can you work in relationship unless you have sustained attention to hear each other? And we're not just flipping off into reaction, right? Okay, attention gone into something else. So whatever you are, uh, whatever your anchor is, whether it's um, the anchor of um, the posture to begin with, or breath, or the arising and passing of different experiences, the sustaining of the connection to that. And that creates stability in, in Vipassana, sustaining attention to changing experiences, the breath arising and passing away, the body, different sensations, sounds, different whatever it is, sustaining attention to the changing experiences. That's one type of concentration. There's another, which is samadhi practice, which we're not doing here, but maybe those people who are staying for a third week might want to ex uh, practice with that, is just taking one thing and one aspect, not keeping open to the changing nature of it, but taking one aspect and just noticing that so that the mind becomes unif unified in what are called the jhanas, just a general unification, and then that unification develops through its own lawfulness. But we're not practicing that, but to name it as an aspect of concentration. Okay, let's have a go. <laughs> I'm just going to begin us off with sound, if that's okay, because we all have different um, aspects of uh, anchoring. So just maybe a minute of sound for all of us to begin together. And uh, then we can sail off with just a few reminders. <coughs> So hearing and sustaining attention to sound and then of the bell and then the other sounds. Not to tighten up. If uh, the mind splits, we're at the beginning of highlighting this, so no problem. You just come back again. Calling in the energy to sustain presence and the knowing of the experience. This means letting go of everything and gathering our energies together 
like gathering things in a basket and then focusing. Inviting a relaxation. Appreciation of your willingness to explore. See if you want to sustain connection to sound or move to another of the anchors that you prefer. Being alert to the balance between the energy of sustaining the focus and being relaxed.
It could be saying caring for the moment-to-moment experience is a different way of talking about sustaining. Being interested in This is my life right now. Or not my life, but life being known. where the experience is changing. In its objects, all the same. Interested, alive, sustained connection. Relax.
This is my breath or body or hearing. Can I be interested, alive in my caring for it? Or this is pain, or this is frustration, sustaining the relationship with whatever is happening, interested. Thank you for your efforts. So this sustained attention to whatever is arising or whatever is in our life is a different way of talking about the continuity of mindfulness. And the continuity of mindfulness is the, the um, creating that bank uh, along the river. This is the strengthening of the mind to hold what is difficult that comes up. Is the sustained continuity of knowing our experience, knowing it or caring for it in this alive way, not just like as a glance, but uh, I use the word to just rem remember, like confronting, like that could be one way to describe it, depending on your mind, if it's hard to connect with the, the experience, like turning directly towards it and enveloping it with mindfulness. Or if you are more triple A go-getter, it's receiving, like alert and receiving the experience. It just depends on the situation and the qualities of your mind, of what What's the balance of moving towards or receiving to sustain the connection? And at different times, it's different. But this is one of the single most important deepenings 
in our practice on a long retreat is the development of the continuity of mindfulness, the sustaining of our connection to our life over time and different activities. So it is such a lovely adventure. It's like in a way visiting another country sometimes because there's so many new things you learn about your experience in this way. So I hope you have fun in your adventure. <laughs> Thank you.